1: Good evening, and it sounds like we've got some big news brewing from the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Farhan Lalji of TSN tweeted uh, within the hour that the Elks and team president Victor Kui are about to part ways. Nothing official from the team, no confirmation, no denial from the team, uh, but the news is spreading fast that it looks like Victor Kui's time as president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks is over. Joined the team at the start uh, of the 2022 season in the offseason before 2020. 22, and now here we are, nine games into 2023, and it looks like his tenure is up. Could be an announcement as early as tomorrow. Uh, kind of a shock because I think it, it kind of comes out of nowhere, uh, and it's also uh, it's also probably the area. That, you know, from the outside looking in, especially from a fan's perspective, that area doesn't need help. It's the football area that is in trouble at 0-9. They've made some changes with the the coaching staff a little bit and with personnel on the field. But uh, I think people were surprised that that this is the way the Elks board has went, if it's their decision. Uh, Details, of course, sketchy and have not come out yet at all. Uh, We're going to talk about it some more now with our Inside the Game analyst, Blake Dermott, who joins me now. Hey, Blake, how are you?
0: Hey, Morley. I'm uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good too. Uh,
1: this is pretty surprising, is it not? Um, first off, tell me what you have heard, if anything, more than what I just said.
0: Well, uh, Morley, I, I I think it's surprising that it came now. I don't think I would have been surprised if it came at the end of the season. Um, there's uh, you know the halfway point of the season. Uh, you would think that they would just if there's going to be ma- if going to be changes made, they would try to ride it out, try to do what they could, but. Uh, but no, I, 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 as I said, I, I'm not surprised that this was a move that was made. It may be a little surprised that it happened as soon as it did. But, um, you know, I mean, what I've, what I've heard is that, uh, you know, you, you can just imagine, um, you know, working in an organization where the stress level is probably through the roof, right? Um, you're, you know, the, these people, people that work within that organization, are, are never going to work to get rich. Uh, they, the, they, a football organization has always been one where people work there with an awful lot of pride, and uh, and and there's reason for that pride because of success they've had on and off the field. Um, but this is uh, a time where you know where it's it's kind of like COVID. Uh, there's no playbook for this. Nobody's uh, nobody has uh, um, uh, been having a lot of fun, and uh, and I think there's a heck of a lot of stress amongst everybody within the organization. And I've heard that they're has been a couple of key personnel that have, that have recently, um, um, you know, recently have uh, taken leave of the organization because of that, uh, that kind of situation. And, uh, you know, when you've got a, a work environment that's uh, uh, not conducive to people being able to come to work and, uh, and enjoy themselves for whatever reasons, whether it be internal uh, or external, uh, then you got to start looking at the guy who's uh, uh, sailing the ship who's the captain. And, uh, you know, much like being a, a head coach, um, when they don't have success uh, on the field, you're, you know, that your, your shirts start to fit a little tighter around the neck. And I think when you're you're having the, the type of thing that's happened with this organization where you, you, you know, you see the crowds in the stands and you see the talk on the street and, and uh, somebody has to take the fall for this. And I think that, uh, the president is uh, is the likely choice
1: and if you're making the move at the end of the season anyway, or thinking about it, maybe now is the time because that gives you a, a half a year, uh, half of a season to start interviews, to start talking to people, and maybe get a guy in place uh, who will have a complete full off season to prepare for the 2024 season moving forward. Again, and we don't know the details of it. We're talking with Blake Dermott, uh, the, uh, our inside the game analyst on 6:30 Ched broadcast, uh, former member of the Double E, of course, as well. Um, so, so maybe that's the angle they're taking. And again, we're we're speculating because there's been no details, uh, nothing been released by the Elks to confirm this as of yet. Uh, we hear something may happen tomorrow, but we'll have to wait and find out. So uh, maybe they're just getting a jump on things and 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 being able to start the process. You know,
0: Morley, that's that's probably uh, a good way to, to to look at it. Is they're they're getting a jump on it. Um, the other thing is is that maybe maybe if in fact the stuff that you know i was just talking about has, has uh, uh has been going on i mean you think about it there's been a, a large number of double digits people that have left the organization uh, in in this last year and a half and people that have been there for an awful long time because of the environment i mean it's a new person new leadership all that kind of stuff and some people are never gonna are never going to be able to uh uh agree with everything so lots of people have left and uh um, so maybe, maybe this is a, the other way to look at it is that, that this is a way to stop the bleeding too, as well. you know if um if the, the, this has in fact been an issue, then uh, then you've got to cut ties and and maybe this becomes a a better place for somebody to work. and then you can because you know if i'm if I'm somebody that's being approached to come into this organization, you don't want to be coming into an organization that's toxic and And I'm just speculating that that's in fact the case. but but if it is toxic, you, you, what kind of people are you going to be able to recruit for that position? So, you want to try to you want to try to make things as good as clean it up as much as you possibly can, so that if if in fact uh, they they do find somebody in the short term or the long term that uh, they're going to come into this and and uh, and, and not have uh, a whole bunch of other mess of things to deal with other than the fact that they're trying to get people in stance.
1: <laughs> now looking forward, I mean. It might be a tough job to fill. Um, since, uh, what, 2019, there's been three presidents. Uh, Len Rhodes, followed by Chris Preston, followed by Victor Cui. All are gone now. Um, Rhodes had a had a lengthy stay. Uh, Chris Preston was here for an eyelash, and so was Victor Cui. Uh, the board obviously has to get this one right you know they should have got the last one right the one before that right but this is now a lot of pressure on them if they're going to go out and find a replacement to find the right guy because uh just because you're changing guys doesn't mean there's less work to do moving forward
0: no that's that's absolutely correct morley i mean this has been this is starting to um look less um, at the uh, uh, or as a as you know errors um, uh, made by the the guys that were in that position, the presidents, it started to look more like errors that were made by the people that were selecting. Him. And uh, and I know that there's been different boards uh, since you know the the first one, Len Rhodes, and, and then Chris Press, and then now Victor Clee. There's been different people that have been involved in it, but but the results have still been the same. And uh, and and then you you know so so I think those you you're absolutely right. The people that are in that position. Uh, if they are going to be in that position next year, I certainly have to get this this next thing correct.
1: Man, Victor Kui when he came aboard before uh, last season, I mean everybody was excited about him. He came he came across with the positivity, the excitement, the love of the franchise, the love of the city. He seemed to have everything that people wanted in a guy in that position and all of a sudden now and even putting it out there on Twitter that this might be happening uh it's really mixed reviews for me a lot for me that, that I'm seeing a lot of people seem happy that this is about to happen a lot of people are upset that this is about to happen uh it, it's kind of weird how the fan base gets at least you know it's a small sample size on on Twitter uh, tonight but how they get kind of split on Victor Quay and what he's done for the team
0: well, you know, um, I think people that may be <clears throat> excited that this is what's happened are, you know, these are people that are disappointed with the overall franchise. So, and have been calling for changes since last year, even, you know, so, so when they see a change being made, they're probably going, yeah, that's, that's good. But, but this is never good when you have to, when you're letting go somebody in a key position. And, and I, I, I talked with uh, people on the board uh, and, and I remember when they talked about the decision to hire Victor and and I was you know one of those guys that was positive going forward because because they were they were looking for somebody new and somebody different somebody that had had success doing something different than the old traditional tried and true uh, president slash you know CFL you know leader on a, of an organization because over the last number of years and you can look that there are a number of franchises that are that have not done as well as they did ten years ago, so they needed some fresh new ideas, and uh, they looked to Victor, as you said, he was enthusiastic and you know had experience doing something different, and and so did Len Rhodes, uh, but but his was the social media thing, and and all and, and as it turned out, um, it it really hasn't had the success that I think Victor had hoped for, and the the board is. Uh, um, uh, was, was hopeful about as well but I mean a lot of that how much of that is tied to the fact that they've only won four games in the last two years you know i mean if if this had been more successful, if they had had won more games and, and uh, had a better record, would all of the things that Victor was trying to do have been more successful? I think the timing may have been the biggest thing that that hurt him, and, uh, and certainly uh, you know and we 've said this from day one, uh, and we saw this at, uh, halfway through the game and, and uh, uh, last Thursday. how happy everybody was. When the Elks were leading and how well they were playing and everything, everybody was just excited. It was like, it was like turning the clock back 15 years. But at the end, you know, it's like you get your gut punched and, uh, and and that's what's sort of gone on. So is that, is that all Victor's fault? I would say no. Is is some of it Victor's fault? I would say yes. Um, And that's probably being fair.
1: Now, more football talk on the
0: Elks this week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks,
1: 630 Chad. All right, we are back. We have obviously some technical difficulties that we're dealing with, and we'll try and straighten out. Uh, We have uh, Jerry Jackson, Elks OC, coming up uh, in just a couple of moments' time. We're going to finish up our conversation real quick, though, uh, with Blake Durman. Do I have you, Blake? Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, good. Let's keep going then. Uh, we'll just kind of wrap it up by uh, maybe saying what happens next now in your mind? How do, how do they move forward, and how much does this affect things on the field, if at all?
0: Uh, well, I would say that, uh, because, I'm, I'm, of course, we, we, we know the struggles that the organization had uh, has had with, uh, you know, with finances and paying people that they were there before. Um, I, I would suggest that, uh, and, and you and I had an interesting conversation. You had gone one way and I had gone another in that before they hired Victor, there was, uh, Alan Watt was the, uh, interim, uh, president, uh, I uh, guess chief executive officer, whatever you want to call them of the organization. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that, uh, that going forward until something new is done, uh, or somebody has found, they would probably go back that route. That way they don't have to go out and spend a whole bunch of money and bring somebody in. And with respect to how this impacts the on-field products, I think that this would probably be close to zero, uh, impact on the on-field product. But I think that, uh, I think that uh, the Artfield product will be impacted just because whenever you see this kind of a move within your organization, people uh, sit up and take notes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it it will have an impact uh, on a lot of on a lot of people in the office, but let's hopefully it doesn't affect things on the field. And, and we'll see what they do moving forward. Again, uh, it sounds like the Elks and Victor Kuei, as president, are parting ways. No official details. Nothing confirmed uh, from the team. Uh, we'll wait and see if something comes down tomorrow. Blake, appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Okay, Morley. Talk to you later. All right, uh, that is uh, our inside the game analyst, Blake Dermott. Uh, We're going to talk about football now. Uh, The Edmonton Elks, of course, are taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Hamilton on Thursday night. It's a 4 o'clock countdown to kickoff. 5.30 is the kickoff for the Elks and uh, the Tiger Cats. Earlier today at Elks practice, I had a really enjoyable conversation with Jarius Jackson. He is, of course, the uh, new uh, 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 offensive coordinator uh, for the Elks. And I talked to him about getting back into the O.C.'s role, a role which he's had before, in the Canadian Football League and how his transition went and how Trey Ford and the offense responded.
2: You know what? I saw a very aggressive uh, offense. I saw guys being relentless and, and, you know, uh, practicing what we preach to them all the time, is go out there and out hit, you know, use the best best fundamentals, play together, and I thought the guys were doing all those things very well. You know, we started the game well. We were able to get, uh, you know, 21 points quickly up on the board, and I think we ended up kicking a a kickoff through the end zone to make 22, and defense scored one for us as well. So, you know, offensively, we got three. We'd love to get more, uh, but I love the aggressive and hopefully we can build off of that. And uh, came out strong,
1: obviously. I think you know, obviously first play of the game. That's that's something special. I'm guessing you haven't seen that before.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. I mean, he, KB broke one or two earlier on this season, and uh, they were big runs. However, they weren't touchdowns. But as you can see, Dylan Mitchell, uh, I think he hit Alexander number 37, knocked him over pretty good, and, and I think that's I know that's what sprung uh, KB to get to the end zone. I mean, we have one of the best backs I think in the league, and you know you just never know which play is going to be that breaks free. So, you know, the the, the O line is no, they get us the five and the tens, but the the receivers get us the 50s, 60s, and the touchdowns by, you know, blocking the DBs on the perimeter. You,
1: you can't make wholesale changes, obviously, midseason, like you guys have made this change. How much mm-hmm. did you change, and how different was your offense in your mind from what you'd
2: seen the first eight games? Well, like I stated before, I'm just basically trying to call the game to the quarterback strong suit. So, um, you know, if Trey's better, uh, getting on the edge at times and being able to use his legs, I think I. I called a few plays where I thought he could have been able to do that, just like the interception that he had. I mean, of course, he, that's one of the plays he wishes that he had back. But, um, you know, you saw a couple times, I mean, they came out for some cover zero, and uh, he was able to put it in uh, one of the receiver's hands and, and let him do what he does. And then one time he was able to make a guy miss coming off the boundary edge and, and, and using his legs, his God-given talent. So, um, yeah, so I, I just think Trey, you know, he, he makes great plays. He, he's, he's made good decisions for the most part. There were a few in that second half that you know started to tinker with us, and and, and we ended up getting off the field a few times in second and that second down. So I think if we clean those things up, then uh, we would be even more competitive.
1: Now, I was gonna. After you got the first couple of touchdowns, the defense mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit of a lull, till mm-hmm. or the offense rather, until uh, mm-hmm. Kyron Moore's touchdown mm-hmm. later on in the game. Mm-hmm. What happened in that stretch, and did you feel you got it back?
2: Uh, I feel like we got some of it back, but like I said, you know, whether it was a, a, a missed assignment by by us not reading the proper guy or not handing the ball off or throwing it when we should have handed it off, things of that nature. I think certain things like that kind of got us off the field here and there, but we were in a lot of manageable manageable down in distances as far as getting to second and medium. Um, You know, we didn't have to run a lot of second and long plays. I think there were probably five total that were over nine or ten yards, and so, you know, if we can continue to manage that and build off it and grow on it, then I think we'll be better. Uh, What did you learn about Trey in the game? Uh, Just just what I said before. I was actually posed the question of you know, what what do most people not knowing about Trey that I would know, and, and it's his competitive edge. I mean, you know, he's a mild-mannered guy. He, he's very friendly and things of that nature, but, you know, it seems like he turns into a different guy when he puts that helmet on and steps between the white lights when the, light, when the lights come on, white lines when the lights come on. So, um, you know, that's one thing I love about him, his competitive edge, and, you know, he, he's like uh, most of the good quarterbacks as far as, like, they're, they're going to be hard on themselves before I can even correct it. So sometimes, you know, when I'm correcting him, I know he probably want not hear me talking because he's already beaten himself. Up about certain things, yeah. but, but that's one of the things I love about him. 12 of 16
1: passing, um, that's not, those aren't high numbers, that's high great. percentage numbers, completion, which is great. Uh, right. Is that just kind of the way the game went, or was that part of the game plan, maybe to ease off of it?
2: Well, that was kind of the way the game went and just kind of the flow of the game. Um, you know, didn't want to throw him to the Wolves in his first game and wanted him to be able to get his feet wet, but at the same time, you know, of course, we're trying to score and put points on the board. Uh, trying to not be conservative um, from that standpoint, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to take the reins off of him and let him go and just let him make plays and you know sometimes that creates bigger running lanes when you're t- sending guys deeper down the field for him as well too so um, you know we'll still call the game the way we need to call it in order to try and be successful but at the same time when it calls for you know we'll take the leash off and let him go.
1: How different of a defense will you see this week compared to last week?
2: Uh, this is a defense that's very good up front as well just like Winnipeg was um, you know they're a little shorter in stature in the secondary than some of those guys but they're relentless players they're they're, they're players that play very aggressive and you know we've got a beat man coverage and we know that you know they came in our house and they were able to put up 30 plus points on us and and got the W so uh, we've got to do a better job of beat man coverage if that's what they're gonna do
1: how did they go for you I mean uh, you you've been an OC before but not for a few a couple right. of years so how did it feel getting back into it
2: I feel great you know just knocked the cobwebs off a little bit like you said a little bit of a lull in the second half whether that was play calling or execution uh, but at the same time you know I, I've, I've got to find my groove just like those guys were starting to find there so you know we're all this together, and we're going to keep pulling the rope the same way. You, uh, you're on the side. You were on the
1: sidelines, were you? Mm-hmm. Mostly uh, mm-hmm. as as a quarterbacks coach, Ned. Mm-hmm. uh How's the, how is it going up top to watch the game?
2: Uh, it's it's better for me from a standpoint of you know I could do it from either way, field or, or up top. But um, you know I think we've got great coaches on staff, and you know we sent Jordan Lennon. He came down. Uh, you know myself and Marcus Howell are, are still upstairs, and so for me it's it good to see it from the all 24. I can kind of see where the ball is and know where I want to go on the call sheet and things. Of that nature for plays that we've planned out. So, I think having that bird's eye view um, helps a little bit better in my mind than it does just standing on the field. All right, this is a question that's
1: just probably for me. <laughs> I hate doing games in Hamilton because the mm-hmm. press box is so high. Sure. How do you feel about doing games in Hamilton?
2: Well, you know what? I-, I don't mind it at all. I mean, I I have pretty good eyes, so yeah. I think I used to be 2010. I'm 2020 now. I'm sure, if not a little less. But, um, you know, I-, I don't mind it. May- maybe from where the box is situated is a little bit difficult because you're a little bit farther down and you can't see all the way down to the other end. But, you know, that's when I rely on the coaches in the booth or whatnot to let me know where we are and things of that nature. But, yeah, you are right. It's pretty high, so if you got bad eyes, it's not good for you. Yeah, yeah. I got a,
1: My eyes got a few years on your eyes, too, <laughs> I would say. Plus, we're on the five-yard line at right. that one end, which is you're not – I think you're just over yeah, from us. Yeah,
2: yeah probably like – oh, yeah, we're probably 20 or so. 20, yeah. Between 20 and 30 maybe, I'm hoping. So, um, yeah, if we're between 20 and 30, I'll be all right. But if they got me down at the end zone, then that's going to suck.
1: What's your – What's your scheme? how are you working? Up there, Are you watching the monitors a lot? Um, like, I guess as soon as the play ends, you're already
2: getting ready to call the next. Correct. One. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to have one in the holster in the situation. You know, that comes up in hand. So whether it's, you know, going to be another first down or second and medium or second and long, second and extra, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're kind of uh, while the defense or special teams is out there, I'm looking at the iPads. I'm, I'm seeing what they're doing defensively to us or what, could, what they could possibly go to, and you know, just having different plays in, in mind that could attack any defense that they. They pretty much feel like they want to throw out there and, and just have somewhere for the quarterback to go with the ball. So, yeah, I try to try to definitely try to play one, one play ahead. And I guess if there's a big play or a sack or something, then you got you like a couple short right. seconds to rethink, You right? got a couple seconds to rethink. By the time they pick the ball up, the guys get up, start making mosey on their way back to the huddle, you better have that call ready.
1: And you're connected right to the
2: quarterback, right? He yeah. hears your voice? Yes, yeah, just same as it was on the sideline. Like, I have an opportunity to, you know, uh, talk to him and let him know the personnel, the play call, and, you know, any any other information that I want to pass along to him, um, I have that benefit of, of talking directly to him.
1: Did you have your whole career, do you have the voice in your ear, or did you ever have to do signals?
2: Uh, we did signals for a long time, and when I was in BC, yeah. um, you know, Jacques Chapdelaine at the time was the OC, and um, you know, he didn't like to rely on the headsets, so you know, we used to signal a lot, and, and at times that does come in handy because the headsets will go out at times, and so you better be prepared to uh, get the play out there. If not, you're going to look like one of these like Navy or Army or somebody running guys and play Back and forth to tell the quarterback to play, and then you know on top of that, some of our verbs can be a little bit too long. So um, you know we just do numbers, we'll right. signal numbers if, if need be uh, to make sure that we can get the proper play. So the procedure
1: is you'll say the call, and then that's when the, you'll everyone
2: sees the quarterback
1: looking Correct. at his wrist to see what the play number is. You call, and then he get tells the huddle.
2: Right? Correct. First and foremost, I give him the personnel grouping. Where, you know whether we're in a five receiver set, or we got a fullback in the game, or a monster six o lineman, what have you. You know give him the personnel, and then give him the play number, and then, you know, just, just any directives that I need to give them from there.
1: And that's an important part too. People hear the phrase, command the huddle, and I guess mm-hmm. that's when the quarterback's got to make sure that he gets the message to everybody, and he has to do it quickly and correctly.
2: No question, because sometimes there are reminders you want to give guys. Um, you might have ran a play four or five times, or three or four times in practice, and, um, you know, one specific guy may have been messing it up all week, so you know, you might give him the play number, the personnel and play number, and say, hey, remind Gino of, of this, or remind Swerve of that, or whatever it may be. So, um, um, you know, and, and certain, or telling him who he needs to get his eyes on first, you know, just things of that nature. So I just try to give him, to, give him reminders, um, you know, before the play is, is actually called in the huddle. And you only have a certain amount of time to get that message through, that, right? That's it. It's short. It, it's You know, it's probably about 25 seconds or 30 seconds for me, but you know, it's 20 seconds once the ref starts the clock. So um, that's what, like you said, it's about commanding the huddle, getting the guys in there sometimes, you know, just being honest, guys can be like kids in the huddle, you know, arguing about something or the last play. and that's where it comes in, where you got to be a game manager and, and command the whole, and sometimes you got to be rude and tell them to shut up and listen, right? So, um, you know, some young quarterbacks are, are a little timid in doing that, but, you know, I don't find that in Trey or any other guys that we have here
1: that is Elks Offensive Coordinator Jarius Jackson. Our thanks to him. Our thanks to Blake Dermott as well for talking with us tonight about the big news that's breaking. Elks President and CEO Victor Cui and the team about to part ways. Possibly more details coming out tomorrow from the football team. Elks in Hamilton on Thursday. Pre-game show starts at 4, kickoff at 5.30 for the Elks and the Tiger Cats. Have a great night, everybody. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does.